Good morning, everyone. And a happy new year to those of you who uh, weren't here last week. Uh, life now returns to normal for 2023. That's a bit of an onerous thought, isn't it, that we're in 2023? So Peter has a notice before we sing our first uh, carol. Happy New Year for me too. Uh, so notice from Mark, you've probably seen it by email, but I'll read it to you anyway because it's, a, it's an important one. That's, uh, there's a new thing starting called uh, the Warm and Welcome Spaces. Uh, we're making the church available, the foyer available for, for these warm rooms every Thursday morning between 9.15 and 12.15. Uh, and that started already, it started on Thursday, so the first one's actually happened uh, it will go on till the 23rd of March. So that's 12 Thursday mornings we're opening up the church for these uh, welcome spaces. Uh, Mark is opening the church up each Thursday morning, setting out six small um, square and two round tables in the foyer there, uh, making sure the heating is on and making sure that the kitchen is ready. Uh, we need a minimum of two people to be present during the sessions to provide tea and coffee via the hatch and to put the chairs and the small square tables away at the end of the session. Uh, Mark says this could be a husband and wife, pair, or a team from a home group or a couple of friends from church. Mark will be covering the first two sessions, so the one that's happened and the one coming, uh, he's covering those two. And so uh, we're looking for 10 couples to cover the remaining 10 sessions, 10 Thursdays. Uh, Mark isn't available to open up the church to set up or run the session on Thursday the 19th. So the 19th, 19th is a particular priority if, if people are available for that one. Uh, if you can help, please contact Mark on his mobile or his email as on the flyer or the church directory. Uh, a prompt response will be very appreciated. Mark says, this is a wonderful opportunity to show again our love as Christians to the community in Basin Hill. So please do pray and consider if you can give up a Thursday morning and serve in this particular way. Thank you from Mark. So please do uh, respond to that as and when you can. That'd be great. Uh, just for me also, um, one prayer is on tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, as we're starting a new year, it'd be great to, to come together to pray uh, for this year and all our church activities and ministries as they start. So 7 o'clock, uh, prayer in church if you are free. So let's start with um, a carol, as it's still the Christmas season. Of course, it's the Orthodox Christ Christmas this weekend. So we'll stand together, if you're able, and sing, As with gladness, men of old. Thank you, Chris.
seated. The Lord be with you. We say together the prayer of preparation. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. And we say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's say the Gloria together. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us are seated at the right hand of the Father, receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. We're going to have our reading now, and then Peter will come and preach. Thank you, Sandra.
The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 1. The visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then... They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Happy New Year to you again. I don't know if you've ever read uh, the Charles Dickens novel, A Tale of Two Cities, but the opening words are these. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. John's John's there already. Uh, And that echoes the the, the sense of what's going on here in Matthew chapter 2, because there's the best of times and the worst of times all at the same time. Uh, the Magi represent, if you like, the best of times. And of course we have the worst of times. We have Herod at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, strange, isn't it? Two weeks ago we were celebrating Christmas Day. And our focus, of course, there was on Jesus in the manger. And in that narrative, in that uh, portion of scripture, 
Uh, it's the shepherds who come to seek Jesus. Uh, shepherds are outsiders. Shepherds are shunned from mainstream society. And now we have another group of outsiders who are seeking Jesus. We have the Magi, the mysterious group of Magi. We don't know exactly when they visited Jesus. Uh, Matthew doesn't say when uh, they arrived uh, to, to visit Jesus. Uh, it's, 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 it's really quite vague in the, in the narrative there. Uh, but it says uh, in verse 11, On coming to the house, they saw the child Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So it's a little bit of time has, has moved on. He's no longer a baby, he's a child, according to Matthew at this point. Uh, and so um, there's a difference in time between, uh, obviously, when he's born and now when they are visiting him, these magi. Could have been a few weeks, could have been a few months. We just don't know exactly. However, there's three groups of people in this story I want us to focus on and, and, and as a way in of thinking about, well, what does this mean to us uh, in our situation today? Three groups of people, and that they represent uh, ways in which you can approach Jesus. Uh, you can approach Jesus <coughs> in, a, in an antagonistic way. You can approach Jesus in a, <coughs> not in a, a favorable sense. And Herod represents the antagonistic group of people. You can approach Jesus in an apathetic way, in a kind of, well, I don't really mind sort of sense. And that is the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They are the apathetic. And then, of course, you can approach Jesus in an attentive and in a, a very interested way, fascinated way. And that is, of course, represented by the Magi. So let's look at those three groups of people. Let's think about how they help us to approach Jesus in our lives and in the lives of those that we are associating with. So what are these magi? What do we know about them? <clears throat> well, we know that uh, these are people who study the stars. They are studying the stars. They're trying to work out what's going on in the universe and in the world around them. Uh, we know from, uh, from historical sources that there was a comet that appeared in 11 BC. Uh, some people believe that's Halley's Comet or Halley's Comet. Uh, it's cited in 11 BC. And the, the astrologers, the, the, the people who would have looked at the stars, would have seen that as some sort of sign of uh, a messianic sign of, of a coming uh, saviour. Uh, we know there's also planetary conjunctions happening in 7 BC and 6 BC, which again would have pointed to something momentous that's about to happen. Uh, we know that these people are from what we know as now Iran or Iraq, so this is sort of much further east to the land of Judah. But who are they? Matthew doesn't tell us a lot, does he? But we know, uh, again, from historical sources, a little bit about them. <clears throat> One writer called Brian Stoffigen writes this, and I quote, Originally in Persia, Magi were dream interpreters. By Jesus' day, the term referred to astronomers, fortune-tellers, or stargazers. In fact, our word magic or magician comes from the word magi. They were horoscope fanatics, a practice condemned by the Jews. We might compare them to fortune-teller booths or people on the psychic hotline. They were magicians, astronomers, stargazers, pseudoscientists, fortune tellers 
Another writer, uh, Nathan uh, Nettleton, puts it like this. <clears throat> they were the speakers of the sacred words of the pagan sacrifices. At worst, the term referred to a magician or sorcerer, or even a deceiver. Magi were people whose activities were repeatedly condemned and prohibited throughout the scriptures and were completely anathema to the people of Israel. Do you get the picture? These are people that are not accepted by Jewish faith. These are outside of accepted or orthodox faith. Uh, they are foreigners, they are uh, horoscope fanatics, they are astrologers, all of these things. So they are really not accepted by uh, the Jewish faith at all, or those in Jewish society. And yet, Matthew makes a point, doesn't he, by saying that they are the people who seek Jesus. And he makes that very clearly in this chapter, that these are the people who actually are blessed by God because they are seeking Jesus. And again, Matthew, who's very clear in this, and right from the start of his gospel, that actually God's love is extended to all. It's, it's the gospel is for all people, even the excluded and the unwanted. So whoever they were, and however many there were, we don't know. There might have been three. There may have been more than three. Of course, we don't know. Uh, these were magicians. Uh, they were wise men. Uh, they read the heavens. They looked at the stars to read what was going on. And so they look up at the stars and they conclude that the heavens are declaring the glory of God has come in a little child. And again, uh, the Gospels tell us that the angels and the stars bear witness to this new baby who has been born. And so the angels summon the shepherds, so, you know, angels go and find that the, the baby has been born. But the wise men bring tokens, gold, frankincense and myrrh, gifts fit for a king. But what can we learn from these magi? Because I think we can. <clears throat> I think the main thing really is that it's, it's about being open to those around and about us who are maybe our neighbours, maybe people we're getting to know who we might consider to be beyond the pale. We might not say it to those around us. We may uh, might whisper it to others in church, but God might like us if we associate with such as them. And if we're honest, we may not like them because they're not like us. Their behavior may be unacceptable in whatever way it is. You know, maybe ungodly behavior. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but um, Bono and you 2 were castigated um, some years ago by uh, supposedly Orthodox Christians when they produced a song entitled, I Still Haven't Found What I've Been Looking For. I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. People are searching. People are seeking. Uh, people are trying to discern uh, all sorts of spiritual things. Now, you two may not be fully orthodox Christians, and I don't think they are. I don't think they pretend to be. But what they're saying is that people are seeking light. People are seeking truth. They're seeking the light of the world. 
And so the Magi represent searchers, people who are searching for truth. Uh, They don't claim to have it all, but their lives are a a kind of a a sense of discovery, a sense of journeying towards the truth. And in that, Matthew is pointing us to a very serious lesson to us all. We may not approve of people's behavior. Of course, uh, we may not. We may not like their lack of moral codes. Uh, We may not approve of the fact that people... Uh, look in all sorts of wrong places for truth and for God. But the point is God is asking us and calling us to love and serve those around us. And so if we're going to be open and accessible to people who are searching for truth, then we've got to be welcoming and we've got to be inviting as much as we can be. It doesn't mean approving of unchristlike behavior. It is about being unjudgmental and uncritical. And so that is about, isn't it, accepting people the way they are and then hoping that they will change as they seek God, as they find God. And that's where this lovely word epiphany comes in. We are now in epiphany, the season of epiphany. And the season of epiphany is all about change. That's what the word is about. The word epiphany means manifestation or revelation of God's presence and God's love. And so the Magi, you see, have an epiphany. They have a revelation. There's, there's a moment where they, 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 sort of, they look up at the stars, they say, wow, this is, this is truth. This truth is leading us to the truth, to Jesus in Bethlehem. So they travel a long way to see Jesus in Bethlehem. And so let's turn the question around on ourselves. What about you? What about me? Perhaps in this season of Epiphany, God is asking us to take the risk of being open to those who are seeking a revelation of God's love. Maybe, as I said before, maybe that's someone that you are getting to know through a a church activity or a church ministry, such as sunbeams or coffee in the living room. Maybe it's someone you're getting to know through any other means, through a club you're going to, or uh, uh, maybe through a a, a regular activity you're involved with. uh, Someone who is seeking truth. Someone who is seeking God. And then it's about being open and accessible about our faith in a way that allows them to draw near to God. And then God may well bless them with their own epiphany. That moment of discovery, that moment of, aha, that's who God is. That's who Jesus is. And that's as we are being open about what we believe and sharing our lives with them. So let's maybe pray for that moment of epiphany in someone's life, someone that we're getting to know this season. So the wise men are seeking truth, aren't they? They're seeking uh, who Jesus is, and they draw near and they have that, that epiphany, that understanding, that revelation. So they represent those who are actively seeking Jesus. Uh, uh, and then, what about the others? What about the apathetic? Who are they, and what do we learn from them? Uh, verses 4 to 6 point us towards the apathetic. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. The chief priests should have known better. The chief priests and the teachers of the law have got all that knowledge up there in their head. They studied the scriptures for years. They got degrees in it. They got masters of degrees. They got PhDs in it. They are they are masters in scripture. They under, they, they they interpret it for other people. That's what their job is: is to interpret scripture for other people. And so, really, they they really should have realized that the immensity of the truth of what they are revealing to Herod. But the problem is that they are so pious, they've become immune to it. They, have been, they weren't excited about it anymore. They were just, well, mm. this is what it means, Herod, and, and, and that's kind of where it ends. They don't do anything about it. They don't get on their camels and you know, ride with all their energy to Bethlehem with all their might to go and see the new king. They don't. They just, well, Herod, this is what it's about. This is what it is. The knowledge is there, but the apathy is just too strong. It's, I can't be bothered, the approach to Christianity or faith or life. And I think probably that's where most people are today in society with faith. And big questions of faith and the meaning of life and, you know, identity and all these things. You know, most people are probably in that category, aren't they? You know, they're sort of apathetic. They're kind of, well, I'll think about it some other time. I'll, I'll think about it when I'm older. I'll think about it when I'm ill. Or I'll think about it when I'm, you know, really got a problem. I'll think about it then. It's a sort of putting it off approach. You might know people like that. You may even be like that yourself. I don't know. But this is apathy. It's hard to break through, isn't it? Apathy is so difficult to break through. You can work with someone who's against Christ. You can work, obviously, with someone who is seeking. To break through to someone who's apathetic is very difficult. Very difficult. So what do we do with the apathetic? I think pray for them. It's my best answer. Pray. Pray that the Spirit of God breaks through the apathy and pray that God reveals himself to them in a way that they can say, wow, God is exciting, God is big, God is amazing. God is here and gives my life significance. So we have the attentive, we have the apathetic, and then lastly, we have the antagonistic. So if the apathetic are the kind of, well, I couldn't care less kind of approach to, to Jesus... And the attentive are the seekers, the antagonistic are those who are against, actively anti-Christian. And of course the chief protagonist in the story is Herod, Herod the Great. Now we know quite a lot about Herod the Great, <clears throat> again from historical sources. We know that he is what we call an Idumean. And an, <coughs> excuse me, an Idumean is someone who is half Jew and half not Jew. And so he's got a very bizarre relationship with the Jews. He's, he is one of them, and yet he's not one of them. 
He's a Jew, and yet he's not a Jew. And yet, he would have been expected to be one of the stars of the story. And yet, like so many rulers who are threatened, he lashes out with cruelty when he's threatened. Even his own family experiences, even Herod's own family experiences. Uh, Not for nothing it was said that it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. Seriously. He was so cruel and so vain that he ensured that there was mass mourning on his death. And do you know how he did that? He did that by preparing massive executions to coincide with his own passing. He was an immensely cruel man. So if you look ahead to verse 16, which uh, we didn't read, but again reveals something of his cruelty, uh, we read this. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. So Herod reminds us of those who are dangerous, who, are, who use power for their own domination. People who, when they have power, uh, is, that power is fueled by their own ambition, their own vanity, their own fears. And I'm sure you can think of people who are leaders in that mold today. Let me name three. I have no problem naming them at all. President Putin of Russia, he is a tyrant. He is an absolute tyrant. Uh, North Korea's Kim Jong-un is a tyrant. I have no shame in saying it. Omar al-Bashir, President of Sudan, is a tyrant. There are others who rule very cruelly and have a list of terror on their hands and they will answer to God one day. And here Herod's violence is unleashed with brutality and he sees sees the challenge to his power in the baby Jesus. And then he orders the deaths of thousands of innocent children. And yet this public display of violence towards Christianity goes on today. Of course it does. Every single day (coughs) Christians are martyred. Uh, Every day. And so let's not be deluded. This world uh, is a place where there are some very dangerous people around. (coughs) And very dangerous leaders around as well. So let's... Remember that Jesus, though, rules differently. Jesus is a very different ruler. And the contrast between him and Herod is quite startling, isn't it? There's a contrast between non-violence and violence. There's a contrast between Jesus who values all to, to Herod who values no one apart from himself. There's the contrast between Jesus who has courageous compassion to Herod, who is destructively violent. And soon the Holy Family will flee. Soon they will become refugees in Egypt. And they will follow a route that so many have taken into asylum between then and now. 
because the life of Jesus will be no fairy tale, but will interact very powerfully with the forces of sin and darkness. But does that mean we give into the powers of darkness? No, it does not. No, it does not. Do we submit to the antagonist? No, we do not. I'd like you to try something later on when you get home. Uh, and this afternoon or this evening, when it gets dark outside, try out something. Have the lights on in one room. Have the door closed to the adjacent room where it is dark. And then open the door to that room. What happens? Does the darkness come in and overcome the light? Or does the light go out into the dark and overcome the darkness? It's the latter, of course, isn't it? The light overcomes the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome the light. And so our faith in Jesus is like that. At Christmas, at Epiphany, the light has come. We celebrate the light has come into a dark world. The light shines through us as we live for Jesus in this dark world, as we let him shine through us. John's Gospel, the prologue to John's Gospel says this, In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness darkness has never overcome it. Epiphany is manifestation. It's the showing forth of the light of Christ to the world. And so the question we're left with is this. How are we at Christ Church, how are we in our lives individually manifesting the light of Christ in our lives this year? How are we doing that? How are we going to do that? How are we going to embrace the humble? How are we going to embrace the seeker after truth? How are we going to break through the shroud of apathy? that is caused by materialism and the pursuit of pleasure? How do we love those who are actively out to deny Christ? These are big questions. Very big questions. But we know this is true. And be comforted by it. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Emmanuel is with us, with us in the best of times and the worst. The worst is too real, and the, yes, the best is far greater. An epiphany we can celebrate that the all-embracing love of Christ, the light of the world, has come into the world. Let's pray. Let's just keep a moment quiet. Fathers, we serve you this year. We pray that we would be open to you, working through us, individually and as a church, to bring forth your light into this dark world. Lord, will you show us where we need to repent, where we need to uh, be sorry before you. And would you show us the ways in which we can reach out with your love to those around us. And we pray, Lord, that you would break through the apathy of those around us and that you would show 
forth your light and your love into this world, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Peter. Let's continue in prayer with our intercessions. And when I say, Lord, hear us, please could you respond, Lord, graciously hear us. So, Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. In the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, let us pray to the Father. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear us when we pray in faith. Strengthen those who confess your name. May they be united in your truth and live together in your love and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Give wisdom to all in authority and direct our nation and all nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honour one another and seek the common good. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Give grace to us to our families and friends and neighbours, that we may serve Christ in one another and love each other as he loves us. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind or spirit. May they have courage and hope in their troubles and may you bring them the joy or renew in them the joy of your salvation Lord hear us Lord graciously hear us rejoicing in the fellowship of all your saints we commend ourselves and the whole creation to your unfailing love Amen And let's say a shortened version of the creed. It's the responsive one. Yes. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Son, who took our human nature, died for us and rose again? we believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? We believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So we come now to the peace and just a, a reminder to be mindful of folk who would like to keep a little distance. 
So Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also, let's offer one another the sign of peace. And before we come to communion, we're going to sing our second song, Lord, I come before your throne of grace. Please sit or stand as you feel able. Thank you, Chris.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Give thanks and praise. Father, you made the world and you love your creation. You gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. His dying and rising have set us free from sin and death. And so we gladly thank you with saints and angels, praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We praise and bless you, loving Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we obey his command, send your Holy Spirit, that broken bread and wine outpoured may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. On the night before he died, he had supper with his friends, and taking bread, he praised you. He broke the bread, gave it to them, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when supper was ended, he took the cup of wine. Again he praised you, gave it to them, and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Father, we remember all that Jesus did. In him we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross. Bringing before you the bread of life and the cup of salvation, we proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes in glory. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord of all life, help us to work together for that day when your kingdom comes and justice and mercy will be seen in all the earth. Look with favour on your people. Gather us in your loving arms and bring us with all the saints to feast at your table in heaven through Christ and with Christ and in Christ. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, O loving Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you. 
and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And let's say the prayer, hopefully which, yes. Most merciful Lord, your love compels us to come in. Our hands were unclean, our hearts were unprepared. We were not fit even to eat the crumbs from under your table, but you, Lord, are the God of our salvation and share your bread with sinners. So cleanse and feed us with the precious body and blood of your Son, that he may live in us and we in him, and that we with the whole company of Christ may sit and eat in your kingdom. Amen. Please come forward as the stewards direct, and as usual, we'll return to our seats with the elements so that we can eat and drink together. And we do have gluten-free and non-alcoholic wine available if you would prefer that.
the body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. And the blood of Christ, keep you in eternal life. And let's remember in prayer those who can't be with us today. And so, Father, we think and name in the silence before you those of our church community, family, friends, who can't join with us today in communion. And, Father, we ask that your presence will be with them, that they will know your peace within, that where there's a need for healing, you will give healing of body, mind, or soul. And that, Lord, they will know your, your blessing in their lives this coming week. And we ask this because of the precious work that Jesus did for us. Amen. So let's say together our prayer after communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. So before the blessing, we're going to stand, if, please stand if you're able, and we'll sing our final song, O Worship the King, O Glorious Above. Thank you, Chris.
and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.